All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to episode number 322 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and fun times. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined for the final time for a while by... Benjamin J. Morse, professor at law. (laughs) No, not really. How are you guys doing? And I am joined by... Tucker Marcus. Hello, all... How you doing, buddy? Hi from afar. Happy holidays to all of my friends. I'm yes. so glad we could get together to do this. Yes, and we've yeah. got uh, evil producer Brandon on the Wheels of Steel, who's listening in, has uh, helped us put this together. And uh, we're recording this, as we usually do at the end of the year, we've done traditionally, because we've never missed a dang year, uh, we record it from multiple locations, from each of us, wherever we are. I am in my wife's childhood bedroom in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Ben, where are you? I am in Newton, Massachusetts, at my childhood home. I'm actually out in the den right now. I've got my, uh, I've got my sister and her two-year-old son are watching my daughter. And then Megan is sleeping in the other room, well-deserved. Mm. And uh, we're just, you know, we're hanging out. We're having a good time. Good family time. Nice. Tucker, where are I'm you? Coming, I'm coming at you live. Coming from, in hot. <laughs> uh, from wonderful and gorgeous Blairstown, New Jersey, in the shadow of the Delaware Water Gap. Uh, come visit and spend an afternoon uh, hanging out at the gas station. <laughs> is that what you did growing up? You just hung out at a uh, gas station? Uh, I don't want to get into it, uh, but, uh, you know, it's not far off. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Oh, Tucker. Um, so much, all of it makes so much sense now. Yeah, it really does. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about, because if you guys read and saw in the books this week, there's the Where is Wolverine page. I uh, love this. Yeah, right? It's kind of neat. Yeah. So in the books this week, there's a, a a lot of the books. I don't know if it's all the books. There's a, you know, where is Wolverine teaser page because, you know, we saw Wolverine show up at the end of Marvel Legacy number one. And then it was like, wait, what's going on? Where's Wolverine? Where are we going to find him? Well, how you doing? We're going to find him in the pages of several other comics in the coming weeks. Uh, it's going to be in the pages of uh, actually as a like post credit scene in Captain America 697, Mighty Thor 703, and Amazing Spider-Man 794 in the upcoming weeks. And now we got our bundles for uh, for this week, and of course, as always, we got a bunch of stuff from future weeks. So I can actually tell you, I read ahead to Captain America 697, a fantastic issue. Cat versus Craven. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Mark Wade and Chris Somney. But I read a uh, Wolverine post credit scene, Ooh. and it's uh, it's pretty cool. I enjoyed it. It's a nice little added attraction for your uh, your comic reading enjoyment. I like it. I like it. And that's going to, I mean, you know, in the teaser image, he's been holding an Infinity Stone, it seems. So yep. who knows what's going on? 
but I like that. I think that's a neat touch. Um, so look for that in some of the books and look for the actual yep. pages in the coming weeks. Yeah, um, I was actually in the room. I was in the room at the summit when they came up with this idea. And I just was like, oh, what a great fun idea to give more uh, extra added value. I don't know who came up with it. I'm going to say Donnie Cates because I'm, I know Tucker would be happy about that. <laughs> I have no idea if Donnie Cates actually came up with it, Tucker. I think Tucker is just crushing on Donnie, and that's fine. And that's it okay. is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. Um, so you see the emails Tucker writes to Donnie Cates. Oh, I don't. Are we allowed to almost, see those emails? Almost not appropriate to uh, to share with the general public. Fair. Tucker, do you have anything to say for yourself? Uh, look, Ben is one hundred percent right. Uh, I cannot defend myself from that. Uh, it's something I take pride in. <laughs> Very good. Um, so Perhaps everybody, wrongly. Everybody have good holidays. I had a wonderful holiday. I uh, got to spend some time with my wife's family. Um, I made dairy-free pumpkin pie for everybody. That was quite a treat, um, as I'm sure you guys can imagine. And then yesterday, I went to my extended family. They all got to meet my daughter for the first time. And uh, there are I, I have a lot of cousins who are all older than me, and they all have children, so they all have teenage children. Uh, so a bunch of teenage girls were just kind of passing my daughter around yesterday. It was very scary. Um, but they ultimately kept her in one piece, and now she's she's hanging out with her grandparents. Fantastic. Tucker, what about you? Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, yeah, made the trip back out to, to NJ. Uh, my uh, wonderful girlfriend made the trip uh, with, so we spent Christmas together uh, for the first time, which has you been have a girlfriend? excellent. Look, as hard Never as it may about- be, to believe. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, th- that's a real thing. You've never spoken of this woman. You've never once mentioned a girlfriend in all hey, the years we've known you. Look, I gotta have, I gotta, Donnie needs to think that we can have enough time to hang out, okay? Uh, this is these, I gotta keep these cards close to the vest. Uh, but uh, yeah, did that and came out and uh, saw the parents, saw the whole family, uh, visited the aunt and uncles yesterday who have a gorgeous, tiny little puppy husky. Oh man, so that was incredible. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a really nice, uh, relaxing holiday. Nice. I have uh, I have pet many dogs and many cats here in Louisiana. <laughs> I've eaten much food today. After now, are they are these cats and dogs that belong to people you know, or are you just walking the streets petting whatever cats and dogs you can? Surprisingly, these are only cats and dogs that I know that oh, are fair that are Good part of the family. But I, I would like for you just wandering through the through Bourbon Street, just like with a really happy song playing montage of you just smiling and petting all these cats and dogs. (laughs) Elizabeth and I did go for a five-mile run on Christmas morning. Halfway through the run, we came upon uh, a dog that was barking and the little tiny little dog, very dirty, didn't have a collar on. We're like, well, I guess we're taking this dog home uh, (laughs) because it was just in the middle of the road and it was like, it looked like something was up. And then this woman came in uh, on her in her car, and she was like, "That dog is from the the house behind us, and they always these kids always let the dog out. The dog gets dirty. The dog is not nice. That dog is a little terror." And I was like, "Okay, cool, <laughs> uh, goodbye." And then we kept running. Nice. Um, yeah, it's been real good. We're gonna go see Star Wars again after we finish Ooh. recording. Oh uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's going to be. I'm also good. getting out to the movies tomorrow, guys. Uh, as promised, I'm going to go see Pitch Perfect three. <laughs> <laughs> finally, so you know, just as exciting as Star Wars. Yep, uh, you're finally going to get a, an end to the big Pitch Perfect oh, trilogy. Exactly, the, tril- the trilogy comes to an end. What's going to happen? Yes. Speaking wow. of things coming Highly to an end. Uh, this is your last show with us on the regular. Hopefully, we'll have you again uh, as a as a guest here and Absolutely. there. Um, sometimes when we need a, a deep well of Marvel knowledge, we'll call you up and and have you. I like on. to imagine. I like to imagine. I'll just be this. This is. I, I obviously like to imagine lots of things. I like to imagine Ryan petting cats and dogs to a musical interlude, but I also like to imagine just being in one of my classes lecturing, and I'll have a special ring on my phone. And I'll just have to stop. I'll be like, guys, I'm sorry. Ryan and Tucker need me. And then I'll just go and I'll uh, I'll answer some question and then I'll go back to teaching class. I like that. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some of uh, Ben's memories by the end of the episode. We've got some thoughts from some of the listeners uh, in the questions and comments section. If you are a listener and you want to send us a question, a comment, a note, whatever it may be, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel on Twitter or email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. That's T-W-I-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at marvel.com. Evil producer Brandon, we got to get you on that email list so you can get some of those notes as well. Uh, and Ben, you will send not get them anymore but if you are just joining us for the first time we are going to dive right into the new comics out this week the single issues we'll talk about uh what collections are on sale this week what's uh what's out digitally as well as print and um you know we don't really have much news because it's been a a, kind of slow quiet week so we're going to go into our favorite stuff of 2017 but first yes let's dive right into the books this week i think first up is going to be you benjamin that is me, Jessica Jones, number 15, Return of the Purple Man, continuing Marvel Legacy. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, Art Gatos, Beautiful Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Uh, this is, as as I've said many a time, no one does the all-dialogue issues like this. A whole confrontation between Jessica Jones and the Purple Man, Zebediah Kilgrave. Uh, it's a lot of... Kilgrave talking, and Brian just has such a great handle on this character. He's trying to get Kilgrave to basically explain to Jessica why he wants her in his life. He has taken over a bakery. He is uh, just talking to her, and just 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 a lot of great dialogue, just talking about how he wants to be a better person. He's talking about how he hasn't made her do anything. And I love when Jessica finally stops and talks to him. She goes, you know what? I've, I've gotten over my pathological fear of you. And now I'm just not. And then suddenly out of nowhere, (laughs) sound effect goes on. We've got Captain Marvel, Nick Fury, and Kraven the Hunter uh, (laughs) over across the street. And Kraven has just taken a shot with a sniper rifle at the Purple Man. Um, We've got Jessica kind of coming to grips with she's saying the Purple Man's not dead. She beats the crap out of the Purple Man for uh, messing with her daughter. But as he says... One of his powers is that he just doesn't seem to die. And then he possesses everyone within a few blocks radius, tells them they're all just yelling at Jessica, going, get off of him, get off of him. And uh, then Captain Marvel gets a little too close. We've got another confrontation between Jessica and Kilgrave. And then we see that he has taken over. Captain Marvel and things are uh, 
not looking good for Jessica at the end. I just I still I totally mix, uh, and I think you know we've seen it play out. Um, created this dynamic, getting to see go back and really dig into the Kilgrave and give Kilgrave some stuff. Um, it's really cool, and I I just love seeing Bendis write these characters, and of course the art by Michael Gatos is great. Colors by Matt Hollingworth, they're lush. It's it's a great book. It is a great book. Um, there. There's a movie called Fallen, which I don't know if you gentlemen have seen, but it's um, it's sort of about this like demon, uh, this entity that moves from person to person, and it reminds like the way they they do some of the Purple Man stuff reminds me of that, and they use this Rolling Stone song in the movie so wonderfully and heart like terrifyingly. Uh, it's got I believe John Goodman and Denzel Washington in it. It's it's a fantastic oh, wow. film. How, how 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 recently has this movie come out? Oh, it's probably like twenty years old. But it's, oh, there you go. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, and all the stuff with Purple Man talking, like when he's talking to Jessica, is just the worst, most abusive behavior. And I, it's so awful on so many levels. Oh, he's just ugh, he's the worst yeah. villain. He's the worst. All right, Tucker, why don't you take us to the next one? All right, uh, my pick is the long-awaited. Phoenix Resurrection, The Return of Jean Grey, Part 1. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg, pencils by Lionel Francis Yu, uh, inks by Jerry Alan Guilan, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, starting uh, the issue in, uh, uh, in a really strange, big way, uh, there are a couple kids who are riding their bikes uh, just innocently in Annandale on Hudson, New York, they come across a body of a girl that looks about their age. Uh, her eyes are blacked out. Uh, she looks kind of familiar, but we're not sure. Uh, she says some – it's really interesting, the, the, uh, the lettering in here. She speaks backwards. Uh, so, it, you know – in the, the bubble, it says D-A-E-D would be the last word of this sentence. But in fact, if you read it the opposite way, she says she kind of wake, wakes up from this head wound and says to them, we were better off dead. And the kids are freaked out. Then another girl shows up and she starts floating and they don't know what to do with that. Uh, of course, then the X-Men show up. Uh, they work with the local police department to uh, kind of see what's going on, as this is clearly not your usual uh, business in this small town. Uh, Rachel is uh, also speaking briefly in this kind of backwards language. Kurt looks at her and says, maybe we should head back to the plane. Uh, her nose starts bleeding. It's all very, very ominous. Uh, we then go to the, the Xavier Institute where they're all kind of breaking it down. Kitty is kind of leading this charge, talking about what's going on. And then she says that they found unusual energy phenomena in three locations, one in the heart of Midtown, New York City, one in the south of France, and one at the top of the world, the North Pole. So the X-Men leave and depart to those three locations. They're looking for clues. They're looking to try and find out what it is exactly is going on. Uh, it's so awesome. At the North Pole location, a classic young Wolverine 
uh, Logan shows up. He faces off with Sabretooth and Old Man Logan. Uh, there's clashes in all three locations at the same time. We're jumping back and forth. Uh, and then all at the same moment, uh, each we see each uh, of the teams look up uh, at the sky and say, you guys are seeing this, right? This is not good. And then we jump to elsewhere and we see outside of a diner, a woman named Gladys, a waitress named Gladys looks up and in place of the sun is the shape of a phoenix. And joining her outside is... Jean, a woman named Jean, uh, uh, a fellow waiter, uh, and it doesn't really seem to bother her that much. She goes home that night, speaks to her parents, says, yeah, I think I was just tired today. Uh, uh, And then right on the last page, somebody shows up knocking at the door uh, and it's all tossed up into the air. So many mysteries. What a great start to the beginning of Phoenix Resurrection. Uh, yeah, couldn't be more excited to see where this goes and add it to the pantheon of uh, epic, huge green uh, Jean Grey stories. Love what it. I love about this book so much is the horror vibe that's yeah. going on. Everything is so creepy. Everything is so foreboding. And that's really, at, at, the, at the heart of it, Phoenix is a cosmic horror story, and I think Matt Rosenberg really hit on something here by using the horror elements, by using the small town and the weirdness and everything that's going on. It almost reminded me a little bit of the one episode of Stranger Things that I watched. Um, (laughs) You know, you guys can refer to your full series views of things. I can talk about the one episode I watched. Um, It reminded me a little bit of that, but just like, no, it reminded me like of a Twilight Zone episode or something like that, just with this weird vibe going on with the superhero trappings, and that just made it so much more effective. It was really eerie. I was reading this on the uh, train back to Boston. I got a little creeped out, and I suddenly was looking at the things around me, especially when the kids find the girl at the beginning. I was just like, oh, this is creepy as hell, and it was it was really great. Yeah, there's a lizard man in here, and I was like, who the hell's this lizard guy? Yes. Uh, He's one of the acolytes. Uh, well, uh, I don't even remember him. Um, he was, I, <laughs> I, I want to say that they, they call him Seamus here, but I believe his um, code name was Mellencamp. Do you remember Mellencamp from the Acolytes? I sure do not. Okay, well, he was a crazy lizard man who used to uh, attack people on behalf of the Acolytes, and there he was back and matt rosenberg brought him back to his fullest glory yeah truly um there are some other great things in there and amazing art by lanil Yu, and i really like the touches of old man logan drinking coffee i don't know if you guys picked up on that but there's a bunch mm. of scenes with old man logan holding a coffee cup and then there's one i think of colossus holding a coffee cup but i you know like brad pitt in oceans 11 style always eating yep. i want logan always drinking coffee that's a thing <laughs> that would bring me much joy um all right so my first pick of the week is spider-men 2 number five the final part of this limited series and this is a humdinger this is uh sort of this is beginnings and endings, really. Here, you've got this big throwdown between uh, Miles with Miles and Peter, sort of having their a talk about who they are, what they mean to each other, what they mean to the world, what they mean to the legacy of Spider-Man, and then Taskmaster. So they have to fight Taskmaster, who is 
He's 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 tough on any day, but you know, everybody's all charged up and ready to roll. Uh, but the evil Miles is planning on using this dimensional transporter that we saw in the first uh, Spider-Man and the uh, limited series a couple years ago, and again in this one to to find his Barbara, the the woman that he loved, because in this universe she's dead, uh, and he's been sort of distraught about that for a long time and now he knows there are other realities other places he can go and he believes there's another version of her and he will find her so his quest is to just leave this dimension go somewhere else and find her um it's got a lot of really great stuff and then uh i should say the creative team on this book is uh brian michael bendis uh writing it of course uh but the pencilers are sarah pakeli and Mark Bagley, inks by Sarah Bakelli, Elisabetta D'Amico, and John Dell, colors by Justin Ponsor. But I think it's really great because Sarah Pakelli, um takes a lot of the stuff in our universe in this. And then um, there is another dimension that we get to see, and that is drawn by Mark Bagley. And it had me going, what the hell is going on? I have many questions about this, but... It also had some really great, really sweet things going on. There's moments in here that even though, you know, evil Miles is evil, you really feel for him. He's he's someone that you want to root for to find, you know, that happiness. And then the, the, the ending of the book is really a big one, too, because it's um, sort of maybe a possible big turning point for Miles Morales and his place in the Marvel Universe. Uh, and we'll see what that all entails. And this limited series ends, but there's still the Spider-Man series going on. So um, I, I I have many questions. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to get answers about some of them um, with Brian you know, retiring from comics. But uh, and what a loss! What a loss for for the industry! What a loss for comics for the industry! What a shame! Gone, too too young, too young to be <laughs> moving on to academia. Yes, uh, in, in non-joking <laughs> fashion, though, I am so happy he is doing well. Um, yeah, seriously, and, and he's feeling well. Here, here. We've uh, uh, Jen Grunwald, who is uh, in the collections department, has been sort of the conduit to finding out and making sure he's okay and sending good wishes. So, uh, we do, we love Brian and we're glad he's recovering after his many, uh, physical, uh, problems of late. I gotta say not to make it all about me for a second. Um, but Brian in the midst of all his health stuff and everything that's going on in his life right now, when he found out I was uh, leaving Marvel, took a second to write me a nice message and it meant the world to me. Yeah. Um, Brian's such a great guy, such a wonderful human being. I mean, I know Ryan, you're close with him as well and just getting to work with him over the years has been great. And I wish him all the best in everything he does. Yes. Yes. Well said. Well said. All right. Ben, you doing Moon Knight? I can do Moon Knight. I love Moon Knight. Oh, my God. I read this last night about 11 o'clock p.m. Just, uh, man, Max Bemis writing, Jason Burroughs penciling. We've got inks by Guillermo Ortego and colors by Matt Lopez. I love this. I love how they've kind of teased out slowly bringing Moon Knight himself, Mark Spector, into the book. And now we're just full bore into Moon Knight stuff. I love it. It starts out with flashbacks to the Avatar of Khonshu always getting the drop on the Avatar of Ra. Brings us to the modern day where we got the Sun King, this new villain who is completely, um, completely out of his mind and 
just thinks he's the living embodiment of Ra, and it's his destiny to take out the living embodiment of Khonshu, who is Moon Knight. He's teaming up with Bushman, um, and the uh, Bush Bushman is great. Bush, it, this is Bushman gone to seed. This is basically Bushman talking about how, you know, in the past Moon Knight's ripped his face off, in the past Moon Knight's killed him. He's back now. He's not doing so well. He has the great line of just saying, "I once ruled an entire African nation. Men literally bowed before me." I deal crack now. I move a lot of product, but yeah, I deal crack and I eat leftovers. And he's just kind of gone to gone to pot. And he's uh, raised an army of these people who Moon Knight has taken limbs from, has taken eyes from, so all these terrible things. And then we flash over to Moon Knight, who is meditating. And I want to say, is that Central Park, Ryan? Does that seem about right? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. It's, it's very nondescript. So let's say it's Central Park. Um, going with the New York thing. But basically, there's this great scene of this old woman walking by with her dog and seeing Mark Spector just sitting in a lotus position, just yelling at himself. Because inside of his head, we've got Mark Spector and Jake Lockley having a boxing match because Mark Spector says, Jake, there's something you're not telling me. There's a secret you're not giving to me. This is all part of his multiple personality disorder. Got Stephen Grant and Conchu on the sidelines, kind of watching him, seeing what's going on. Eventually... Jake Lockley just says, look, Stephen is a wealthy benefactor. Conchu is our connection to the bigger picture. You're the voice of reason. I deal in the grimy leftovers. You built us this way, saying, I have secrets. I do the stuff that is too dark for the other two personalities. You guys don't want to know about what I'm doing. Just let me do my business and trust me. And they kind of come to an understanding of a great page of Mark Spector looking content. Flash over to the Sun King visiting Marlene. Uh, as any longtime Moon Knight uh, reader knows, Marlene is the love of Mark Spector's life. She's living in suburbia up in Westchester. And Bushman comes in and she goes, uh-oh, this is trouble. You see Bushman and um, – you see Bushman and – the Sun King, both looking at something in her house that gives them great pleasure. And I got to say, I'll do credit to myself. I immediately guessed what it was. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> then we've got Moon Knight over cracking heads. He is fighting some fighting some demons. We've got Khonshu narrating. And we've got um, Moon Knight saying, Khonshu, stop narrating. This is dark, even for me. And then he gets a text from Marlene. And I like that it, it displays on his text screen as... Don't pick up psychopath. Let it go. It's just this, this wonderful approach to Moon Knight's personalities and what make him the most unique hero out there. But Marlene calling, basically saying like, "Look, I need you back. Uh, I'm I'm missing you. I I can't do life without you." Then Mark Spector goes to Marlene's house. He's got flowers. He meets the Sun King, who says he's Barry. He goes Barry like the BG. And then uh, Mark Spector says, "Random BG looking guy." And uh, Sun King basically plays this terrible game with Mark Spector where he's teasing out. He's saying like, oh yeah, I've been living with Marlene. We're together, all this stuff. And then uh, he says, we have a mutual friend who's keeping something from you. He evokes the name of Jake Lockley. And then the final two pages, I really can't summarize because it's a great twist. Um, Jake has been hiding something from the rest of the personalities. It has to do with Marlene. Marlene's been hiding it as well. And it totally changes the Moon Knight dynamic, and I love it, and I thought it was a great reveal. Uh, Jason Burroughs doing a great job drawing this throughout. The entire art team, phenomenal. I love Moon Knight. I think it's one of the most unique superhero books out there. Moon Knight done right is such a great character, and I think Max Bemis just does a wonderful job coming up with different ways to imagine his personalities and conflict and to display them. Um, 
he uses a lot of humor, which I think is great. I, I, as much as I love the Jeff Lemire run on Moon Knight, it definitely wasn't the uh, most lighthearted book. And that's an ingredient that I feel has been added that uh, makes it work very well. So I'm just in love with every aspect of this book. Yeah, I think I'm glad you hit on the humor because I think it's, it's an important thing to note that Max mixes the humor and fun elements with the violence and all the heavy stuff without making light of anything without downplaying those things it's a it's a precarious balance especially in a book that touches on mental illness and and all kinds of other things that it's able to jump between those things it in a sense it reminds me of garth ennis in the way that garth can go from super dark super heavy to completely over the top wacky and wild and violent and like he jumps from all those things and i think max he's still working on all those things he's still a relatively young writer in in comics and he's doing such a phenomenal job of it yeah well said i think uh that's a really good comparison to garth ennis and i think yeah that's really what makes this book work is that one scene i remember back to the the first issue was on he was on where he didn't use moon knight at all and it was basically just the origin of the sun king and you had like some really light art stuff and then on then you just had him burning this nurse to uh to the point of unrecognizability and it's just uh yeah the way he swings wildly between the two points is just brilliant yes all right. Um, if we're going alphabetically, I'll go next with Star Wars: The Last Jedi, Storms of Crate, number one. That's, I love all the Star Wars books because they have so many dang titles. It's, I was uh, going to say that wasn't nearly long enough. That wasn't that wasn't <laughs> on the level of Journey to uh, Star Wars, Journey to the Force Awakens, Star Wars. Looking at Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Yes. Uh, so this is a one-shot, and it is written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, art by Mike Mayhew. Um, so Acker and Blacker, they do the fun, they do the comedy, but they also do some, some fun action. We've seen them on a, a number of books for, uh, for us before. I think this is their first Star Wars book for us. You could tell they have a ton of fun and a ton of love for Star Wars. This is set sort of, I guess this is after episode four, after A New Hope, um, but before, you know, a lot more of, of the saga has gone on. Um, and it's the rebels looking for, a they, they need a base. They need a place to go. They need uh, a reprieve from the Empire because they've already blown up the Death Star, but dang, things are tough. And so we get some cool scenes with Leia and Mon Mothma here. Uh, Mike Mayhew really crushing that photorealistic uh, painterly pencil style that he has, mixing just the, like, he he just has this way of capturing the look of the characters from uh, from those movies in here. You know, you've got Mon Mothma with her just cool look from the the original trilogy. Uh, tons of great stuff for Leia. Uh, I mean, there's there's stuff that looks like it's straight from the movie. It's really great. But they they basically say we need to go. We need a place to to settle down and and hunker down so the Empire doesn't crush us. Where can we go? They figure, hey, there's this place called Crate. Uh, Leia says, I know somebody who can help us here. He's a friend of my father's. We can do this. And so it establishes how the rebels came to Crate. Crate being the salt, the salt planet at the end of the Last Jedi. Um, you know, and those were some of my favorite. Um, visually, my favorite scenes in the Last Jedi, where you've got this. this Spoilers. Pl- 
I'm never going to see Star Wars. <laughs> uh, God, the uh, this this planet kind of hoth looking, but instead of snow, it's got salt. And then you know they you pull up the topsoil, and it's you know this red uh, that comes down. So we get to see a little bit more about how that rebel base was established, but with you know the characters from classic Star Wars, Han, Chewie, Luke, Leia. It's it's great. And uh there's a character in here called um what is it? Trust Bernito? What is it? Uh it's I think it's Trust or Trusk Berenato. I'm uh I'm looking for yeah, Trusk Berenato, who's this uh he's got this accent. Uh, and it, it feels like an accent I should be doing. It's real good. He's like, I knew your father, I did. Sorry about what happened. It's a shame it is. He saw me at my worst, but took me for my best. He did. Force bless him. And so it's, he's got this accent, and he's got this blue look to him, this great mustache, and this cool hair, and he's got a friggin' cape. He looks awesome. Uh, and he's got this connection with Leia and her family. It's just cool because it, it, it's a way that ties the original stories with the new movie in, in such a great way. And of course, because this is a Star Wars comic, uh, it's fully canon. This is how we establish the connections. Plus, we've got uh, characters from the Star Wars comics that we've been reading for a while. Uh, Scar Squadron who come up here, the the mm-hmm. group of badass stormtrooper dudes. One of them has a lightsaber. They get involved in this whole thing. Um, then there's also uh, Wedge is in here. Wedge has such a friggin' great moment in this. Uh, Tucker, I bet you got real excited about that. Oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> there's a great, yeah, the great Wedge moment. There's lightsaber fight in here. There's uh, creepiness on crate uh, that gives a lot more to what is actually happening on the planet. Um, and then, yeah, it was just great, really cool way to to get some more background for the movie. And then uh, we're gonna get another connection to the Last Jedi with a new, um, another one shot coming in January that uh, features Benicio del Toro's character. So, very exciting. I loved it. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I read it right before going to see The Last Jedi again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and speaking of major cosmic, galactic, universal epicness, uh, my second pick is Thanos number 14, uh, written by... Dangerous Donny Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, colors by Antonio Fabella, uh, and it's it's it, this issue is somehow Donny makes it a, a kind of fascinating character study almost of Thanos. Uh, we get uh, we get some of his origin uh, in the beginning. We see uh, his birth. We see his mother who just gave birth to uh, this infant version of Thanos. Uh, and it tells the tale of how she uh, uh, she lost her mind when she first spoke his name. But the name Thanos was not what she originally planned to call him. Uh, it says that uh, the name came to her on a cold wind, whispered into her ear, uh, and uh, it, it 
starts uh, that origin. And then from there, we open up the next page, and it is just a gorgeous double per, double page spread by Jeff Shaw. Um, it tells the uh, just the huge tale of where Thanos has been in the past, uh, where what he's doing. I mean. There, there's so much jam packed into these two pages. It is so cool. Uh, uh, Donnie narrating all along. Uh, and then we open up the next page and we have another splash where it speaks of the future, uh, where the future version of Thanos that we meet in uh, issue number 13 uh, has uh, at the present time yet to go. Uh, but there is some really dark and uh, uh, bad stuff for the Marvel Universe on display here. Um, and it is just awesome and epic in every single way that you would expect. Uh, then we get some celestial action. We see Thanos just being an all-around badass. Uh, and then we come back to the present, to the immediate moment where we left off at the end of the last issue. And young Thanos, boom, boom hits old Thanos in the face, sends him flying, and he uh, is suspicious. He, he doesn't know how to handle this. He uh, takes Cosmic Ghost Rider and grabs him by the skull, uh, who then kind of manages to talk his way out. Uh, then old Thanos pleads uh, uh, with him and asks him to, to listen to understand, uh, of course, Thanos, uh, uh, Thanos, present day Thanos, does not take kindly to begging. He does not think that a king such as Thanos would ever beg. They get into this massive cosmic fight. Uh, finally, uh, what old Thanos does to calm his younger self is he speaks his original name to him. The name, his true name, that his mother gave him that he only heard her say once. And immediately, uh, it says here, and it was within that moment, that very minuscule instant in time where Thanos chose to align with himself. Uh, and it is just so awesome. Uh, they join uh, in arms. Uh, and old Thanos says that uh, he lost someone and he needs help getting them back. Young Thanos says, who? And I won't say who, but uh, uh, Donny Cates is just continuing on with this ridiculously, somehow both crazy epic and cosmic scale uh, of this story, but also keeping it uh, in this issue, in this issue, kind of wonderfully personal for such a, a, a massive character, such a godlike character, uh, uh, and. Uh, Yes, still fun at the same time. I mean, uh, you know, you guys know well of my Donny Cates fandom, and this only served to make it uh, greater. Uh, what an issue. Indeed. It was nearly one of my picks, but um, I had to give the copy back to Ricky Purden, so I don't have it with me. I stole it. Good job, Tucker. Loved the book. I love that uh, old man... Thanos has a little belly. Uh, you know, he's like, you know what? I feel good. I'm going to have an extra beer today. And he did. Um, all right, time for our quick hits. Uh, quick hits. Actually, before we go to quick hits, I want to real quick give my take on uh, Thanos because I thought it was really great as well. And I want to highlight uh, Jeff Shaw, the artist oh, yeah. on Thanos. 
just did a tremendous job, especially in that fight between young Thanos and old Thanos, finding ways to express Thanos' threat. Because the thing about Thanos is he's so often a schemer. So we really get so much of his character portrayed through the writing. You forget what an absolute badass he is when he gets into a fight. And I thought Jeff Shaw did a tremendous job conveying that. Did an excellent work. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Now well, we get into quick hits. <laughs> do it up, Ben. You lead us off. Yeah, let's start with Amazing Spider-Man number 793, story by Dan Slott and Mike Costa, written by Dan Slott, art by Ryan Stegman, colors by Brian Reber. Uh, unfortunately, we have Maniac has taken over Spider-Man as well as various hoodlums. Uh, Spidey is up to no good. He is under Maniac's sway. We get a lot of stuff with Maniac uh, really getting off on controlling other people in this book. That's a running theme. Uh, someone who is not been heard the last from is mania the former protege of flash thompson she gets involved here she ends up saving the new anti-venom uh another strange coupling is venom eddie brock and black cat they're over at alchemax trying to do some stuff spidey eventually throws under siege the uh daily bugle where he says why aren't you guys writing the things i want you to write about me he gets in a fight with mania and anti-venom everything converges on a snowy roof and they do free Spider-Man from the control of Maniac. Unfortunately, Maniac has a much bigger plan that he's in the midst of enacting as this is all going on. And I know we've commented on it before, but Ryan Stegman doing his great classic Spidey uh, tribute to Todd McFarlane, yet all very much his own thing. Uh, looks great. The, the book looks great. Brian Rubber does a great job on the colors. Just a wonderful comic book. Agreed. We've got Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, number 14, uh, written by Jody Hauser, art by Nick Roche, colors by Ruth Redman. This is a great spotlight on Mary Jane as she's juggling momming and wifing and superheroing and businessing and all kinds of things. Uh, she is... She's just such an awesome character in this book. I love it so much. She's leading the charge for the family uh, in so many different ways. Really, really good. Uh, up next is Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number 12, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, there's a big reveal in here about Hornet's identity. Um, no, no spoilers, obviously, but we'll give some info on the character uh, in the next issue recap when we when we dive into that, because uh, it was not a character I was at all expecting to see as the uh, who this, this Hornet was, but we also get to see uh, the Black Marvel show up finally, um, and then it's, it's Kane and Ben Riley, you know, teaming up in a good way, and uh, just give me all of that. I want more of that. Uh, up next is Black Panther, number 168, uh, written by ta Coates, pencils by Chris Sprouse, inks by Carl Story with Walden Wong, and colors by Matt Mila with Chris Sotomayor. Uh, I'm going to jump in real quick here to yeah, interrupt yeah. your quick hit. Uh, I came home to my childhood home, and I saw on my, the bookshelf of my mother um, a ta Coates book, and I was very excited to tell her, I know ta <laughs> He's a really cool guy. And she was very impressed with me, and, and everything just went really well. Great. See? Back to you, Ryan. Yeah. Comics can uh, can help in, in everyday life. Um, yes. In So in Black Panther, we've got uh, Panther and Wakanda. They're just being besieged 
and, and fighting on numerous fronts. It's like overwhelming odds, but nothing the Black Panther can't handle. Uh, Zawavari uh, is just such a like badass old wizard character. Uh, we saw him, you know, he was snarky and funny in the previous issues, and here we get to see him like show off and be fantastic uh there's a really great badass thunderball moment which is not something i would ever expected to say but uh tanahasi and the artist How dare you? i know right uh but tanahasi, you, <laughs> tanahasi and the artist truly have been doing a great job of uh giving thunderball a, a place in this book in this world and uh, of substance and i really hope we continue to see more of that um everything about the series feels like it's building on like uh, what was created before, but doing so much more for the future of Wakanda and the Marvel Universe, and, and I love it. Uh, so the cool thing about Tanahasi coming in, you know, he's an outside writer, obviously has a lot of credibility, but you can tell he's a fan, and he wants to use all these elements of the Marvel Universe, whether it's Thunderball or when he brought in Dr. Faustus or Ezekiel Stain. Like, he's just, he wants to play with the toys, and he's doing a great job at it. Hell yes. Very very well said. Uh, we've got Captain Marvel, number 127, written by Margaret Stoll, art, art by Michelle Bandini, colors by Eric Arseniega. And uh, this is, again, Carol is in this, like, twisted alternate reality, and I love me some alternate realities. Uh, there's this <laughs> great full-page splash of Carol and the Zeta Flight team, and there's this – there's a dog and a, and a cat on their crew, and I need lots more information about what this dog and this cat are all about. Uh, we get to see the twisted Guardians of the Galaxy, who are actually the Ravagers in this universe, uh, with a – Root, who is uh, the version of Groot. He's a giant carrot guy. Uh, I like it. It's, it's weird. It's freaky looking. There's Rocket, Rocket, Raccoon is really good. Uh, the the Star Killer or whatever his name is, um, Star Kill, uh, the Star Lord version is great. He's got this big rivalry with Carol. I just love what uh, what Margaret is doing, putting all these you know fun pieces together. Uh, on to Despicable Deadpool, number 291. Uh, this is written by Jerry Duggan, art by Scott Coblish, colors by Nick Filardi. Um, and this is just, there's so much going on here, but it moves, this issue like blazes by, it moves so fast. It opens up with Deadpool going to the bathroom in a uh, a like a public telephone booth because that's what he does. And of course he gets uh body slid to Strife's location with his pants down. And it's great. It's very funny. Jerry's having a good time with it. The Scott's art is always terrific. Um, we've got cable and strife and swerves and twists and turns and lots of uh, bleeped out cursing, so to speak. Um, there's one big hopeful reveal in here that uh, I will not spoil um, but uh, it, it speaks to maybe there's some good redemption things coming or or not because that's the way Jerry is. He he will give us a little taste of hope and then stab us in the in the tongue uh, for trying to taste it. And there's a cameo from a long lost Deadpool cast member, um, which I'm looking forward to. And made me think of whatever happened to Blind Al. Uh, I, I, we haven't seen Al in so long. Yeah, right. Invincible Iron Man number 595, The Search for Tony Stark Continues. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. The art is by Stefano Caselli as well as Alex Malev. We've got both Doctor Doom confronting Amara, the uh, 
kind of love interest of Tony Stark, who Doom has tried to come. We've got Riri Williams flying through Chicago, uh, meeting up with a boy she kind of maybe likes. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe some teen romance in the air. Uh, we've got a bunch of mercenaries trying to take Tony, trying to take Riri's stuff. We've got Tony Stark waking up. Uh, so Tony Stark is in the in the mix. He he has this wake up this whole conversation with his mother and with Mary Jane, where nothing is as it seems. Uh, we've got a long lost character comes back. That's not what it seems. We've got Doom uh, confronted by some villains who are not happy with what he's been doing. And then we've got the smart folks uh, of Riri, Tony's mom. Uh, Friday and Mary Jane figuring out that the Tony AI may know more than lets than he lets on about Tony Stark's location, so they grill him, and so it goes. Yes, oh, the last line from the Tony Stark AI is really it's great in this issue. It's a great line, absolutely. All right, we've got Moon Girl, and well, I guess it's. Is it still Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? I guess kind of, but it's just Moon Girl on the cover. Uh, this is part of the Fantastic Three arc, issue number 26, written by Brandon Montclair, pencils by Aletha E. Martinez, inks by Roberto Poggi with Aletha Martinez, and colors by Tamara Bonvalain. Uh, they introduce Omnipotentus, uh, a sort of omniversal universe eating thing that kind of freaks Galactus out, which is a cool new wrinkle in cosmic marvel and uh it feels like dan slot should be like why didn't i think of that uh it's real great uh and he's sort of been lured to earth because of uh moon girl because she's so dang smart and things happen and she's caught up in the middle of it we've got galactus silver surfer uh human torch thing and some weirdness happening with something that seems like the fantastic four uh, out this week is Punisher Max the Platoon, number four of six, written by Garth Ennis, art by Goran Parlov and Jordi Belair. Uh, these are whew, these are heavy and violent and crazy issues. We'll dig into them more uh, when I've gotten to fully read the whole series, but I, I'm starting to get copies of them uh, because we don't normally get copies of the Max books because they're mature readers, and I don't know why we don't get copies. But uh, we're not it, mature. We're, we're certainly, you know what. That's it, Ben. Yeah. You're right. There it is. Um, all right. We've got Secret Warriors number 11, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Javier Garon and Will Robson, colors by Israel Silva. Uh, this is, I think, the penultimate issue. Um, and it's, uh, it's you've got Sinister versus Karnak. There's a lot of fun stuff between them, whether it's psychological battles, intellectual battles, physical battles. Uh, it's great. Uh, them trying to one-up each other. Uh, they're just good foils for each other. Uh, there's some a plot with fake Terrigen, which was likely a bad idea anyway, so that uh, business gets taken care of with that. Uh, there's some really impressive and wild group shots in this, and I think part of that is because uh, Matt Rosenberg is just mean to his, his artists, and he just asked them to draw so many things. Thankfully, he's got these really talented artists who can draw so many characters and such big uh these just these landscapes and portraits and and so much stuff going on in there um but it's cool we get to see the x-men and the uh inhumans hopefully come together because there are x people and inhuman people who are just jerks to everybody and they're dealing with it 
Alright, up next is Spider-Man vs. Deadpool number 25, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Chris Bashalo and Scott Hepburn, with inks by Victor Olazaba, Wayne Fosher, Alve, and Livesay, colors by Chris Bashalo with Chris O'Halloran. So we've got, yes, Chris Bashalo art in the front part, and then it ends with Scott Hepburn art at the back. Always good to see Scott Hepburn doing some work. Uh, he's real good, uh, but of course... Chris Bashalo is a legend in the industry. Uh, is a very, very weird book, and I love it. Deadpool's team is just wacky. You know, we established who they were previous issues, but you've got like the LMD of Clay Quartermain and this not quite man thing thing. This sentient, I don't know, whatever it is. It's it's weird. Uh, Hellcow is here, and um, it's just there's a lot of funkiness going on in this book, and I really, really dig it. Um, I wish I wish actually Deadpool's team showed up in the the other Deadpool book as well because I think there's a lot that could be mined from this. But they're fighting the Chameleon. They're in Tabula Rasa. Uh, Chameleon, uh, it's it's a great book that establishes that Chameleon can do a lot of things and be really really dangerous even if he's just a dude who just switches masks, which is essentially all he is, right, Ben? Yeah, I mean that's all there is to it when it comes to Chameleon. But obviously. Uh, he's got a lot of skills that he's picked up over the years. He's a very cagey villain, so uh, he's got some dangerous things that he can get up to. Yes. All right, we've got another Star Wars book this week: Star Wars Jedi of the Old Re- Jedi of the Republic, Mace Windu, number five. This is the end of the limited series, written by Matt Owens, pencils by Dennis Cowan, inks by Roberto Poggi, and colors by Guru FX. Uh, it's a uh, it's a great end to the series. My only exposure to really to Mace Windu outside of the movies. Tucker was. Do we get a lot of Mace in like the cartoons and stuff like that? Yeah, he definitely shows up in uh, Clone Wars. Uh, um, I think that's probably where uh, Star Wars fans will have gotten like the biggest taste of him outside of the uh, the movies. But uh, yeah, I think that this series has. Um, jumped into his psyche and the way he goes about things in uh, a deeper way than we've ever seen before, without a doubt. Yeah, it really fleshed him out, especially for me. Obviously, it will all go terribly wrong for him, uh, in you know, after the events of of this series. But this was tremendous. Uh, I really, really dug it. He takes care of the 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 droids in epic fashion uh he's got his crew and there's you know there's a conflict with one of the jedis who is on his mission i like the way that resolves um because mace is mace is all about justice and doing things the right way but trying to help in the best way that he can uh and then the next star wars limited series i believe will be about thrawn a character i have no information about because i've never read the books that feature thrawn uh, guys i've got nothing on thrawn (laughs) (laughs) tucker i assume you've read those books uh yeah like i think i mentioned it last uh uh episode but yeah the timothy zahn novels are uh easily kind of they've gone down in, in the history of star wars fandom people love them so much they are uh, not canon at this point. They're in the legends, uh, but uh, Timothy Zahn is, is uh, has another Thrawn novel, and uh, this uh, upcoming uh, issue will jump into kind of the young Thrawn, buff Thrawn, uh, and uh, uh, kind of see more of his origin, which is really exciting. 
Fantastic. Ben, take us home with the quick hits. Let's finish things off with X-Men Blue, number 18, Crosstown Capers, part three, written by Colin Bunn, pencils by R.B. Silva, inks by Andriano De Vendetto, and colors by Rain Barreto. This features the original X-Men going at it with the original Generation X. R.B. Silva's art is insane on this. Rain Barreto's colors are popping. We've got uh, Husk versus Cyclops. We've got Chamber versus Bloodstorm. We've got Jimmy Hudson versus Penance. We've got Mondo versus Angel. And we've got just dialogue great all over the place. I love the thing going on with uh, Bloodstorm and Scott. What's up there? And Gene getting a little jealous. I love Banshee and White Queen coming in in their old school Generation X attire. The Generation X crew does ultimately try to help um, the X-Men figure out what's going on. And we uh, get a little more information on how this timeline has slid to the side a little bit. And the end, the X-Men have gone back in time once again to confront themselves. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, those are the single issues out this week. Oh, also note that there are three True Believers single dollar issues out. Uh, all Phoenix stuff, Death of Phoenix, Phoenix Origins, and a uh, what if Phoenix had yep. lived? Uh, I read all... that Phoenix What If last week. I don't know if you checked it out yet, Brian. I read it years ago. I haven't read the yeah. the the new one, the the reprint. Um, I had to give it a look. Yeah, I mean it's great. One dollar gets you a classic Phoenix issue. Always good to have these True Believers books available. Um, but collections on sale this week include Avengers: Tales to Astonish, Black Panther: Panther's Quest, Black Panther: The Man Without Fear, the complete collection. Doctor Strange, Lords of Fear, Doctor Strange Volume 4, Mr. Misery, Iceman Volume 1, Marvel Mangaverse, The Complete Collection, Mighty Captain Marvel Volume 2, Band of Sisters, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 4, Girl Moon, Power Pack Classic Volume 1, a new printing of that one, Thanos Volume 2, The God Quarry, and Venomverse Trade Paperback. As mentioned, Digital Comics on sale this week, we've got Punisher the Platoon number 4, but also on the Marvel app, we've got Daredevil, the original series, issues 120 through 130, Dead of Night, number 11, from 1974, Iceman, from 1984, 1 through 4. Guys, I have read this book. I own this book. It is trippy as all hell. It's uh, mm-hmm. Iceman in a cosmic story against Maelstrom. It's what? an entropy. It is tremendous. Uh, it's written by J.M. DeMattius. I'm blanking on who did the art, but it is well worth checking out. It is so weird. Um, it's it's exactly what you'd expect from an Iceman series from 1984. For some reason, right. the only thing I remember about that is him talking about being an accountant at the beginning yep. of the series. Yep. I was going to mention that. He's, uh, there's a lot of stuff with him and his parents about being an accountant, all that good stuff. That's all in there. Um, all right, deep breath here. We've got Marvel Mangaverse 1 through 6, Marvel Mangaverse Avengers Assemble, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse Eternity Twilight, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse Fantastic Four, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse Ghost Riders, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse New Dawn, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse Punisher, number 1, Marvel Mangaverse Spider-Man, number 1, and Marvel Mangaverse X-Men, number 1. If you're looking for some Marvel Mangaverse, we have got you covered on the marvel app we've also got marvel spotlight number 26 from 1972 we've got sensational spider-man 27 and 28 from the 1996 series spider-man 91 and 92 from the 1990 series strike force moratory 27 through 31 hopefully wrapping up that book from where we were at it last time strike force Moratory electric undertow number one through five tales of suspense from 1995 number one tales to astonish from 1994 number one 
Thunderbolts original series 75 through 81 and 165 through 166, as well as the Golden Age USA Comics issues two through four. Woo! Uh, digital collections on sale this week include Avengers Tales to Astonish, Black Panther, Panther's Quest, Doctor Strange, Lords of Fear, Iceman Volume 1, Thawing Out, Marvel Mangaverse, The Complete Collection, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 4, Girl Moon, Thanos Volume 2, The God Quarry, the Mighty Captain Marvel Volume 2, Band of Sisters, and Venomverse. And finally rounding it all out, freshly digitized comics on Marvel Imited. Marvel Unlimited, we have All New Guardians of the Galaxy, number four, America, number four, Captain America, Steve Rogers, number 18, Captain Marvel, number 35 to 42, and 45 and 46, Daredevil, number 22, Darth Vader, number two, Doctor Strange, number 22, Iceman, number two, Incredible Hulk versus Venom, number one, Invincible Iron Man, number eight, Luke Cage, number two, Man-Thing, number five, Mark Spector, Moon Knight, eight through ten. Mighty Thor, number 20. Monsters Unleashed, number three. Nick Fury, number three. Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number one. Punisher War Journal, number 19. Punisher Black Widow, Spinning Doomsday's Web, number one. Royals, number four. Secret Empire, Brave New World, number two. Secret Empire Underground, number one. Silver Surfer, number 12. Spider-Man 2099, number 24. Star Wars Darth Maul, number four. Star Wars Poe Dameron Annual, number one. Tales of Suspense, number one. Tales to Astonish, number one. The Punisher, Die Hard and the Big Easy, number one. The Punisher, G-Force, number one. The Punisher, Warzone, number 19. U.S. Avengers, number seven. Ultimates 2, number eight. Weapons of Mutant Destruction, Alpha, num- number zero. And X-Men Gold, number six. <sighs> Good job, Tucker. Whew. All right, so... Um... As I mentioned earlier in the show, there's no proper news this week that I think of. I mean, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, it's been a quiet week. So in lieu of letting you know what's new, the news this week, uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite Marvel things of 2017. Uh, I'm going to kick us off with comics. And I, you know, just being completely honest, I had to go through all the news stories of the podcast to remember... Our, some of our picks because we read every single book every week so there's so many comics and I forget sometimes all the things that we read you know three weeks ago let alone you know 50 weeks ago um, but we you know some of the stuff Mighty Thor has been tremendous all year long uh, multiple Thor series we had uh, Jason Aaron just crushing all the Thor stuff I love 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 Thor uh, Doctor Strange the proper series plus Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme was one of my absolute favorites that wrapped up this year uh, all new Wolverine is every time an issue comes out Definitely going to be one of my favorites. Same thing with Hawkeye. Uh, Silver Surfer, we saw the end of that series this year, and that was one of the best uh, in in my tenure at Marvel. Uh, Defenders has been so good. Uh, Brian and Dave Marquez and the team just crushing it. Also, Jessica Jones has been great. Uh, I was really happy to see the Runaways come back this year. Ultimates 2 was really weird and trippy and Absolutely one of my favorites. Uh, Black Bolt has been such a delight and a surprise and and just joy to read that uh, month in, month out. Uh, Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward just killing it there. Unstoppable Wasp, I am very sad it is no more, but it was one of my favorites. We've had all the Star Wars, so many Star Wars, and it's been great 
with all the Star Wars comics. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Jerry Duggan really doing some fun stuff with that book and leading to what we're going to get in 2018 with uh, the Infinity stuff. Um, Spider-Woman uh, wrapped up this year, which is one of those things I was like, wait, we had Spider-Woman. That finished this year. That was such a good book. Uh, Iron Fist came back and has been my favorite Iron Fist comics ever, probably. Uh, we had multiple Iron Man series this year. Uh, those have been really good, the the two series, and now that they've sort of come back together for the current run, uh, it's been really good. And guys, remember Clone Conspiracy? That happened. That <laughs> finished this year. That was in 2017. It was so good. I, there's probably a ton more. Tucker, what do you remember? Uh, the standouts for me, looking back, uh, again, like I had to look through like Marvel.com stories. I was researching everywhere, picking out the books that I've just snuck away for myself uh, uh, since starting in, in August, since reading every book every week uh, uh, as I began uh, at Marvel. Uh, and the real standouts for me were Jerry Duggan's Deadpool run, um, becoming, you know, as it was Deadpool, moving into Despicable Deadpool now, uh, but really the culmination of that huge, huge arc of uh, taking Deadpool to the Avengers and then uh, bringing back him back to his uh, Despicable roots, uh, really for me, just one of, uh, it, 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 uh, I think, just has earned its place uh, among the pantheon of, of, of great Deadpool stories uh, in, in a lot of ways. Um, that uh, 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 like never before. Uh, so I really love that. Hawkeye it has been one of my favorite series uh, of the year. Uh, I think uh, Leonardo Romero and Kelly Thompson do just such a killer, fun job on that book week in, week out, nonstop. It's so much fun to read. Uh, in terms of Star Wars stuff, uh, my two favorites were uh, Journey to the Last Jedi, Jedi, Captain Phasma. Again, another Kelly Thompson piece. Uh, I thought it was just so good. Such a, it, it picked up right where The Force Awakens left off and, and gave us so much about the backstory of Captain Phasma uh, and, and how she moves into where we see her in The Last Jedi. And it was such a, a, a great limited series. Uh, and then Vader, uh, uh, Darth Vader. Uh, written now by Charles Soule, who I think is just crushing it. Uh, uh, he just has such a command of both um, the voices of characters like the Emperor and Vader himself, but also just such a, a, a command of what Star Wars feels like in general. And so that's constantly uh, one of my favorite books. Uh, and then uh, uh, just uh, some works by... Uh, uh, a few of my favorite creators, uh, pretty much whatever Chip Zdarsky has done this year. He did uh, uh, Star-Lord earlier in the year, which I really loved, uh, alongside Chris Anka. Uh, and, of course, he's writing Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man now, which is so funny and fun to read. Uh, and then uh, just in as t the 2017 uh, came to a close, as Donny Cates picked up on Thanos and Doctor Strange, I think – those two leading into 2018 um, could not be more exciting. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, just cannot wait to continue to read and to, to keep going with so many of these great series. 
you guys obviously covered a lot, so uh, there's really nothing left for me to cover. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll that. I'm definitely going to second you guys on a lot of stuff. Mighty Thor, pound for pound, one of the best books out there. Love All New Wolverine, Silver Surfer concluded in the most beautiful possible way. Jessica Jones is a joy to read. I've really been surprised at how much I enjoy that. Um, Unstoppable Wasp was one of the best books just I've read in ages, one of my favorites in ages. Um, I want to highlight the rise of Max Bemis, not only on Moon Knight, but on the dearly departed Fool Killer, which, as you guys know, I loved a ridiculous amount. Uh, I'm always reading Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man. That's one of the first things I read whenever I get my bundles. And uh, shout out to X-Men Blue, which I know we covered this week. I love Cullen Bunn writing the original X-Men. I think he's doing a really great job making those characters great. Same with uh, Jean Grey by Dennis Hopeless. I think that's another great take on a great character. Obviously has brought Jean back to prominence, who now she's got Phoenix Resurrection. And uh, here's the shocker, guys. I really like a little book called Poe Dameron. Yeah. Yeah, a little, uh, little Star Wars action. Charles Soule and uh, a very underrated artist, in my opinion, Angel Unzueta, who's doing a great job on that book, and I think it's just a lot of fun. Very good, very good. Um, so movies, obviously, you know, we, we have a limited number of movies, but there's so much cool stuff in Guardians, seeing, like, the Watchers and seeing the little touches that were put throughout Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was really cool. Seeing Spider-Man, and I, I, look, I'm just going to say it, my favorite screen representation of Spider-Man felt the most, mm-hmm. like, true to the spirit of the Spider-Man that I love. You know, the, that young Spider-Man was so good. Uh, obviously Thor Ragnarok, I am still a buzz about. You will get to see and hear my interview with Taika Waititi in 2018. Um, and that was, that was a delight. I, I, so good. So many fun things there. Um, and Logan, I can't, Logan did come out this year, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. Yes. I've watched that movie. Definitely came out this year. And what a, what a great movie. Yeah, I've watched that movie so many times because I bought it when it came on, you know, digital. And I like when I travel, I'll just like put it on in the background and get sad because that's how I do. <laughs> um, but yep. it's, it's real, real good. Uh, those are my movies. Hugh Jackman with the tour de force, man. Absolutely. Oh. Oh, what a tremendous talent. Uh, for me, movie stuff in 2017, uh, it, it really all flashes back to one moment in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just have this thing when I'm in a movie theater where I feel like I go to movies, I go to the theater for this one moment, this this rare thing that only happens occasionally. It rarely, it doesn't happen in every movie. But the way I would describe it is just like it's that moment when everything is a 10, when all elements of the filmmaking are firing on all cylinders, the, the, the cinematography, the acting, the story is there, the music is a huge part of it. And for me, uh, the moment uh, towards the ends of Guardians, uh, towards the end of Guardians Volume 2, when Fleetwood Max the chain comes back. And Peter Quill looks up at his father and has this moment where he says uh, something along the lines of, you shouldn't have crushed my Walkman and you shouldn't have killed my mom. And the music comes back in and they get into this huge fight. Basically, my reaction anytime something that huge happens where all those elements of a movie are playing at that such a high level, I just have this reaction where I – and pushed back physically in my chair 
and I laugh and cry maniacally at the same time. And that was my reaction to that moment in the movie. I loved it so much. That that was one of my standout movies and standout moments in all of movies in 2017. Loved it so much. And then, of course, I got to give a shout out to Ragnarok. Like, what a ridiculously fun, funny, hilarious movie. Uh, yeah, loved it so much. I'll go back and talk about Spider-Man a little bit more. Spider-Man Homecoming, which uh, I deferred from seeing it for so long because uh, first my, my wife had an OBGYN appointment during the Marvel screening. And then the day I was supposed to go see it, my daughter was born. So my daughter <laughs> really threw a wrench into my plans to see Spider-Man. But I finally did get to see it, and I just loved it so much. I loved uh, – same thing you said, Ryan. It's my favorite cinematic portrayal of Spider-Man to date. He just he's, he's, he's got it right. Tom Holland is brilliant. He brings the humor. He brings the pathos. You really feel for him. You really want this kid to do well. I thought the supporting cast was fantastic. Ned is hilarious. Um, great job there. Michael Keaton, winning turn as the vulture, really uh, a villain who you could see being three-dimensional and not just an old crotchety guy with wings. Uh, he brought new life to what could have been a very easy villain and uh, all the stuff with Liz and all the stuff with the different characters and just brilliant, brilliant stuff. And uh, second on Logan and obviously second. And I think Tucker said all there is to say about Guardians 2 and uh, Thor Ragnarok was a lot of fun. Definitely. Um, game stuff, uh, obviously, me, Ryan, Agent M, that's me, being in Lego <laughs> Marvel Super Heroes 2. Uh, actually, that's my highlight, too. Right? You know, having recorded yeah. uh, dialogue for the, the game, thank you to Arthur Parsons and Tim Hernandez and everybody at TT Games and WB and Marvel Games for for letting me be a part of our video game history uh, in such a fun, weird, wacky way. Uh, that was that just a personal high for me, and it makes me so happy, and I'm so appreciative. And of course, MODOK has come to Marvel Contest of Champions, and yes. that is, is a beautiful time thing. for Christmas. Yeah, uh, that's a beautiful <laughs> thing. We've got so many games going on and, and so much more to come. It's, it's exciting stuff. Yeah, completely. I, I just seeing more and more of Spider-Man for PS4 is just getting me just buzzing about this game. Uh, everything I've seen so far just looks incredible. It's the game that as a Marvel fan, we've all been waiting for uh, on a console. Uh, I just cannot wait. Having spoken especially to Dan Slott and Christos Gage recently alongside Ben and Maggie about the game, about their influences on the game, but where they wanted to take it. Uh, it just seems uh, like such a fun ride, just the perfect console game experience that uh, uh, I cannot wait for uh, coming up soon. Yep, all the stuff you guys mentioned. Uh, I've got Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2. I'm, I'm getting ready to really dig into it. I can't wait to get to the Ryan parts. I am very excited for Spider-Man on PS4. And it's cool getting to edit the articles on Contest of Champions and Marvel Puzzle Quest and just seeing all the great characters that they're running. You guys might be able to hear my dog in the background. She is being very difficult, but uh, she has been pretty good so far on this podcast, so we'll give her a pass. But yeah, all the stuff you guys mentioned, double from me. Uh, of course, we've had so much television going on and so much more to come. Uh, I loved Legion. Legion was really weird and really cool. And again, it's another one of those things that happened like early in the year, but I don't want to forget it. Um, my favorite 
stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think has happened this year between the end of the last season and what we've seen so far in this season, especially like the most recent episode with uh, just like finally getting the spotlight on Fitz. And I don't want to spoil anything, but a surprise character has returned. I'm sure you've been spoiled on it, but I will leave it at that. Uh, So seeing that character come back has been really good. Uh, And watching Runaways with my wife has been a delight because she hasn't actually read the old comics before uh and so she's what i know i know and she's like that's crazy that seems like something she easily should have read i know uh, i have the collections she's gonna read them at some point but she's been loving she should wait though she should wait until after the after she's gotten through season one of the show that's a good point yeah so we'll wait but just watching it with her uh and seeing that show come to life has been really really fun yeah completely I, i for me it's it's uh Punisher all the way. Uh, I've had such a great time watching this series. Uh, uh, it's got some incredible acting. Uh, I, it's, it's brutal. It's, um, it's incredibly emotional. Uh, it is just, just such, uh, uh, just pretty much everything you could want out of this realistic depiction, uh, of this character. Uh, yeah, I've just enjoyed the heck out of it all the way for me tv has really been all about runaways uh same as ryan i'm enjoying it with my wife she did read the comics years ago but she doesn't remember them very well and so we get lots of twists and turns but she's enjoying it i'm enjoying it uh, i love the interview you and i ryan got to do with lyrica o'connor who plays nico she was great um just everyone on runaways is great i i, I it's, it was a special moment for me with my full team of Tucker, Christine Din, and Eric Goldman, we all got to watch the Runaways pilot together in New York at Comic-Con. That was really sweet. That was really cool. And also, I'm getting excited for, uh, of all things, season two of Luke Cage, because I got to visit the set and see some of the things those guys are getting ready to What a talented cast. Um, just a great group of people. Very nice. And... Um, Sorry, my dog is just running the room, and my wife has carried my baby in the room. I have no idea what's <laughs> going to happen next, but any chaos could break out at any second. But those are some of the things I liked from TV this year. Right on. Uh, and of course, there's been a, a number of other things. I really enjoyed seeing the expansion of the, the theme parks and really what we can – expect to see from Marvel at, uh, at the theme parks uh, with Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and and more to come. Um, I had a lot of fun doing Thwip the Big Marvel Show and all the wackiness that we had there. Uh, it's been a really fun year. Yeah, for me, uh, thinking back to to my Marvel experience in 2017, it's, I, I, you know, the end of the year feels like the perfect time to just uh, express my gratitude and uh, uh, and everything about getting this dream job. I, I uh, have uh, feel so privileged to be able to work uh, not only on these characters and with uh, you know the Marvel Universe every single day, but being able to work with this incredible team uh, who have uh, just welcomed me with open arms in such a great way. Uh, it, that's you know that, that pretty much nothing compares to that to. To have, uh, uh, like I said, the privilege of working uh, on this podcast and on Marvel.com week in, week out, uh, it has has been just a, an incredible experience so far. And and looking ahead to to this week in Marvel questions and comments, you know, so many thanks go to Ben Morse for that. Uh, uh, I 
certainly wouldn't be uh, where I am today without his guidance and help all the way looking back to my days as an intern. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, 2017 for that reason will be, uh, a, a seminal year in my life without a doubt. 2017 was great. We got to do so much cool stuff as always got to do a lot of great interviews, uh, for this week in Marvel. Um, to echo what Tucker was saying, the establishment of, uh, the really cohesive team, getting to work with my buddy, Ryan, as always is a, is a pleasure for me. And honestly, I'm just as a guy who's now going to be on the outside looking in, I am so psyched for 2018 with all the Marvel stuff going on, not just in terms of movies, not just in terms of comics, but the stuff you guys are going to be doing, the stuff that the new media department at Marvel is doing, it's going to be maybe the best year ever. And, uh, me not being there will, uh, will certainly only make things all the better. <laughs> oh, no, oh. no, I'm going to miss I'm, I'm going to miss it so much. And I, I really uh, I said this to some of the higher ups when I was talking to them as I was kind of doing my farewells last week. I was just saying I was like, man, I am I'm excited for my new job. I'm excited for the new stuff we've got going on. Obviously, all the stuff I've got going on with my family. But I would be lying if I didn't say like uh, a little bit of me is jealous of all the cool stuff you guys are going to get to do next year. And as fans, you guys are going to get to watch it all. And I'm going to get to be one of you. So I'm excited. Well said. Um, talking about the fans, we're going to wrap up this episode with This Week in Marvel questions and comments. Uh, we're going to dive right in. Amanda Ah, Francis says, still working on catching up, and I cannot get over how similar Ben and Ryan's voices are. My brain is so confused. I don't get that at all. We don't sound alike at all. I I mean, I guess we've just worked together so long, it's just become like a hive mind. I guess. You know, we have heard (laughs) that, though, over the years. We have. We have heard that our voices sound similar, so I guess now people won't get so confused. It'll just... (laughs) I I guess. guys. Uh, Alex Moorhead uh, at uh, BYOCB Alex says, Happy Holidays. Tell the Grinch to start running. It has a picture of a Punisher action figure in the style of John Bernthal's Punisher. It's a Marvel Legends figure and it looks badass. Good Christmas gift. Joshua Cooper, Commander Socket, says, thanks for helping create This Week in Marvel, uh, directed at me. And, you know, it's it's a team effort, but thank you for listening, Joshua. And he wants to know if I'm leaving Tucker Marcus a reading list so he can answer Agent M's questions. Um, I think Tucker will grow <laughs> on his own. I do not need to leave him any sort of assignments. He is going to do just great uh, filling the void. And, you know, who knows who's going to be on This Week in Marvel in 2018? Like I said, it's going to be a... Uh, it's a whole new ball game, so you guys get ready for some exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I've already thought about that, and I will have to do a lot more research because <laughs> my questions will have to be answered by myself uh, in preparation. But we, yeah, we'll we'll have some some new voices and faces on the on the show, and we'll figure out how to make it work. There will be no replacing Ben's knowledge, though. That is a fact. I'm expecting a lot of calls in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin says, I am so sad. We'll miss his voice on this week in Marvel talking about me. It feels very self-indulgent to be reading these tweets yeah. myself, guys. I feel like uh, I feel like other people need to read them. So. Ben, 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 let me take over. Please. Uh, uh, at Musings by Miriam uh, says, this week in Marvel won't be the same without the knowledgeable Ben Morse, who is going to sing with Agent M now. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'll miss your voice in my ears every week. Good luck in Vegas, and I can't believe Lady Gaga is following you there. Me and Gaga taking over Lagos. <laughs> uh, 
Penelope Cat says, best of luck to Ben Morris. He was half the reason I look forward to this week in Marvel podcast every week with Agent M being the other half. I can honestly say the podcast helped build my enthusiasm for Marvel comics every week. That's great to hear, Penelope Cat. And that's what we go for. That's that's yep. that was our goal is to get you guys as excited 100%. and loving these characters and these comics as much as we do. So thank you for that. Uh, Raf AB says, I recently wondered, is Pride from Runaways named after the Deadly Sin or after a group of lions? And then Lex Pendragon replies, says, it could be both, right? Or even just supervillain Pride, like the holiday on February 30th. That's not a real thing. <laughs> um, That's not true. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think we've ever asked BKV what the name came from. It's also just No, I don't a- think it's ever been established. Yeah. Uh, interesting. He did do Pride of Baghdad. True. So, about lions. Uh, that was that was about lions. So that's that's a pre-established thing. That could be something. Yeah. Uh, Reynaldo at Ray Raymundo says, "Oh wow, no! You guys got me into podcasts and were a staple in bringing a complimentary joy to reading comics. Wishing Ben all the best in the future. Listening to three hundred odd episodes makes me sad, but at the same time, wishing Ben the best." And he says, "Wow, listening to Ben and Ryan for three hundred odd podcasts really does." Uh, but in reality, we're absolute strangers. Stuff that. Want to wish you the best and thank you for all you've done, Ben. You've given many who have listened to you on This Week in Marvel. All the best to you and your new chapter ahead. All right. Captain Rogers 44 says, holy Hawkeye number 13 was amazing and coming from a book that is already epic, I don't think there's a scale high enough to rate it. Clint's return is everything I'd hoped it'd be. These two can never catch a break. He goes on to say, really wish this book wasn't coming to an end, though. I know that's just the way of things. And Defenders Number 8 was a really good book this week, but honestly, I'm happy Deadpool is back out again. Can't really stand him at times. Though watching him get smacked around and ultimately hit by a bus was very satisfying. And then he finishes up by saying, wait, did Fitz and Hunter just quote Empire, The Empire Strikes Back to perfection on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And then he attaches a little picture. Uh, there's, uh, a, there's also, <laughs> if you so follow uh, Star Wars on Twitter, they had a great little uh, reply. Oh, yeah. There was a little interaction there. It made me happy as someone who did a lot of social media for us for a long time. And uh, it was well done, Star Wars and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he says Captain America 696 was a great book though Swordsman no matter who has the title is still the worst excited to see Cap take on Craven next Uh, best of luck Ben Morse you will be missed on this week in Marvel and then he goes on to give his rundown of favorite uh, 2017 uh, Marvel things he says best series is Hawkeye uh, best new series is Secret Warriors. Best storyline in Secret Empire. Breakout character, Gabby. Oh, yeah, all the way on that. Uh, best show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And best movie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And he says, and of course, best podcast goes to This Week in Marvel. Uh, and he tags uh, Ryan and Ben and me and, and Christine and Eric. And he says, and of course, Strami. I like that it's Strami like pastrami like pastrami yeah, yeah that's, that's how i imagine it to be spelled that's correct fantastic uh we've got a bunch in here from simon williams at simon seb says it is truly the end of an era you guys were like the gorilla monsoon and bobby the brain heenan of marvel of all the nice things that people said to us on twitter this was by far the best right like that is that made that's, me what, so happy how can, how can you go from that? that that was our goal all along yes uh simon's Twim of the week for December 20th, America number 10. I want to learn so much more about America's grandma. The art is, as always, some of the best in comics. 
Simon says, reading De- Defenders number eight, can every comic devote a couple of panels to show Deadpool getting beat up and hit by a bus? I think there's a market for it. I mean, that's kind of like Deadpool's comic every month is him getting hurt horribly. So it works. Uh, Simon was reading Mighty Thor number 702. I'd like to think that the Thor Hercules, that the Thor in which Hercules uh, kissed was Frog Thor. That just feels like something he would do in the old days. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, uh, Simon has a a bunch of tweets um, lamenting the cancellation of many of the comic books uh, that we love, Luke Cage and more. Uh, especially those with diverse leads and or diverse creative teams. Um, he wants more promotion for many of those books. Um, but, you know, such is the way of things. We try to push as many of those books as we can on the show and on the, the work that Ben and Tucker and the team do on the uh, on the website. Um, yeah, it's it, there's definitely more that can be done we want to do, and hopefully we can help with these books in the future, Simon. Uh, Simon says, uh, it goes without saying that this week in Marvel won't be the same without Ben Morse. Whoever comes behind him will have some big shoes to fill. Simon's favorite series of 2017 were America, Champions, Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, and Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man. Favorite movies of 2017, Spider-Man Homecoming, Spidey's second adventure in the MCU was a fun ride, he says. His most heartwarming moment of 2017, America Chavez meeting her grandmother and learning more about her parents in America number 7. And finally, Simon's favorite single issue of 2017 was Ms. Marvel number 17. With all the negativity from the past year, this issue showed how we should all treat each other online and in real life. Well said, Simon. Yeah, at Lex Pendragon says, because of years listening to This Week in Marvel, Ben Morse is more than just a guy working there. Ben Morse was Marvel as much as Spider-Man or Stan Lee himself. (laughs) How about that? Yeah, Yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) Thank you. He says, for everything from Horizon Labs to all the twin points, thank you and enjoy Las Vegas. Uh, and finishing up, Will Tucker at Mr. Pol- Polinog, and this uh, is definitely not uh, an alias that I'm using uh, to send comments to the podcast. Uh, he says, I faced a lot of my teenage years listening to you too, and it feels like I know both of you. I'll always keep listening to the podcast, but it definitely hurts to see Ben go. Will Tucker, Tucker, Marcus agrees with you all the way on that. That was very confusing, Tucker. But thank you, Will, for those <laughs> kind words. Thanks, Will. Um, and then finally, we got an email from our friend Jason Kim over in Hawaii. Hey, buddy, he sent us some cool stuff Yeah, uh, in the mail. We he love t- Jason Kim. Thank you, Jason. He says, uh, mahalo. Thank you mahalo. for all your hard work at Marvel over the years, Ben. From guest spots on The Weekly Watcher. That's a deep mm. cut. Deep cut. He says, when former host Alexa Mendez was on maternity leave, uh, to recording an episode from your car after Hurricane Sandy. And he says, dude, yep. that's dedication. Uh, and mahalo for reading my emails on the air. Best wishes on your new career in teaching at UNLV. And he says, P.S., at least you are not retiring to the District of Columbia like Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, uh, <laughs> good luck, Brian. Uh, thank you, Jason. Jason, just a pure example of why I love doing this podcast so much. I remember... The day that Ryan said, hey, let's do a podcast, and I had no idea what he was talking about, and we went, we recorded, and Harry Goh is our original producer, and uh, since then, we've gotten to do live podcasts, we've gotten to meet so many people who interact with us on Twitter, but just 
can't thank Ryan enough for coming up with this great idea to do a podcast and for including me in it. And it's been a wonderful thing to do over the last 322 episodes. I will miss this. This will be a hole in my life to be sure. Um, I will miss you guys and I will miss all the great reader uh, listeners that we have almost said readers, um, all the great listeners that we've had. And uh, I just, I just can't thank you guys enough. Just being a part of this has been wonderful, a real joy for me in my life. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, 10 years at Marvel. What are your highlights? Anything that comes to mind? I mean, honestly, just getting to work with my friends and uh, you, you, of course, Ryan, who I've worked with you for 12 out of the 13 years that I've been out of college has been working with you either at Marvel or at Wizard. Uh, that was a great experience. All the cool people we got to meet. Um, I always say my favorite was when we got to meet Hulk Hogan. And unfortunately, we never got to play the interview we did with him. Maybe someday we'll find it in the archives. That was an absolute blast. The last few months have been great working with Tucker and Christine and with Eric and with uh, Ron Richards, who is behind the scenes on this. And, of course, evil producer Brandon gets a nice little shout out there. It's been been a lot of good times. All the live stuff we did from Comic-Cons are always a highlight for me, getting to do a little different. I'm hoping I can apply some of what I learned there to uh, public speaking in front of classes. But it's it's really the people, man. It comes down to the people. That's what I said when I left, uh, when I did my kind of farewell on social media was just all the incredible people I got to work with. Uh, they were so kind to me. And uh, I just am so grateful that I got to do my dream job, the job that I wrote about in fifth grade I wanted. Um, I said, I want to work at Marvel someday. And I did it. And I did it for 10 years. And it was wonderful. And I loved every minute of it. Well said. Um, yeah, I, I remember... Uh, I remember when we worked at Wizard and we did, I think it was like Infinite Crisis, we did uh, a feature together. You yep. were the writer and I was the editor on yep. that. Um, and we had a song. We, we were did. singing a song together. It was because it was for best moment of the year. So you wrote a song called In This Moment. In This Moment. Right. Yes. Yep. All those years ago, we were singing together. And then I was, uh, I was very thankful that I could bring you to Marvel after my first year and, uh, and, and help you be the cornerstone, really, of, of the team for a decade. And uh, I wouldn't change anything for it. I am very thankful that uh, we had 10 years plus working together and that you were able to do as much as you could and, and, and have as much uh, fun here. And I was able to have you by my side for all those years and doing the podcast would I could not have done it without you. That is 100% true. Uh, couldn't have done so much at Marvel for all those years without you. So Ben, thank you for 10 years. Uh, I love you. I will miss seeing you all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, I am very happy for you and what you're getting to do now. And uh, we'll have to make a trip to Vegas to uh, to see everybody. Absolutely. we got to get everyone out to Vegas. If anyone's going to be in the Vegas area, tweet me. Let me know. <laughs> uh, I already I already got I already got Ryan. Uh, the other day I got a direct message from Renee Young, who lives out there, who said, dude, you're coming to Vegas. you got to look me up. So hopefully uh, I'll be hanging with Renee and Dean out there. But uh, I love you, too. I thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, My career would not be what it is without you taking a chance on me. So thank you so much. (sighs) Good times. 
This is it. This is it. This is Tucker. This is feels, it. Tucker feels like an intruder here. <laughs> you were you were just verbalizing my thoughts entirely. I feel like I'm like at the airport witnessing an emotional like weepy goodbye, and I'm just kind of like looking at my shoes. <laughs> there you go. But uh, but uh, yeah, entirely deserved, and uh, uh, I can only say a, a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of what Ryan already said. Uh, uh, I, I will say for better or probably worse, the spirit of Ben Morris will live on with his, uh, uh, with, within me, uh, as, uh, he <laughs> informed so much of what I know, uh, and what I do every day with this company. So, uh, you know, look forward to that or dread that entirely, Ben. Uh, I don't know. I think that one's up to you. <laughs> Oh, Tucker. Such a Tucker right. moment. I love it. Um, <laughs> I think that's it. I've got to get ready to go see me some Star Wars. And uh, Ben's got to get oh, going yeah, and playing with his baby and his dog and, and all the beautiful life that he has ahead. And um, where can fans find you, Benjamin? Just keep following me on Twitter at NJ Morse, and uh, I will keep you guys up to date on what is going on in my life. I look forward to getting all your opinions on uh, adventure. Yes, and uh, yeah, uh, I have to figure out who I'm going to talk wrestling with from now on on the show and what we're going to do. Lots to figure out. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, you know what, Tucker? Let's do a little bit of a, a preview of what we're excited for in 2018. Um, let's figure nice. that stuff out. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go on and we'll keep trucking. Uh, we'll figure out how to move on without Benjamin and such is life. Uh, ben, right. why don't you, the... yeah, you, you take us home. Yeah. Everyone, this is Marvel, your universe.